0: Hello, dog lovers and adventure seekers across the nation and now even around the globe. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Trail Talk podcast. I want to thank you for all of your support so far and say that I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode. This one is going to be with Wes Seiler. He's a writer for Outside Magazine and specifically he runs their Indefinitely Wild column. Uh, In this column, he's able to talk about adventure travel, uh, the stories and adventures he takes with his two dogs, and some of his expertise on vehicles and off-roading and all kinds of hardcore adventure that a lot of us uh, tend to dream about. And I'll say right off the bat that two words describe Wes, in my opinion. Uh, That is the word raw and authentic. I think that Wes has some controversial uh, opinions on things, but I really have always loved his loved his work, loved his writing, and I think you're going to really value his opinions that he shares in this podcast. I will say that this podcast is going to be a collection of a lot of different opinions, a lot of different experience from wa- a wide range of, of people that are going to serve as our guests and my own opinions, so we're going to hear from Wes today and just know that you might find yourself nodding in agreement with a lot of the things he says and you might find yourself disagreeing with some of the points he makes and at the end of the day and at the end of the episode that's totally fine we're not going to agree with everything um, and every comment that's made Uh, however I I personally agree with a ton of uh, of the work that Wes has put out into the world and and the opinions that he shared with so many viewers and listeners, and I was beyond excited to have this conversation with him. You're going to enjoy the raw factor and authenticity behind his comments, and I really enjoy the fact that he takes a step back and and values the importance of letting a dog be a dog. So I'm not going to give too much away about our conversation I'm going to dive right in, and after a word from our sponsor, we're going to hear from Wes. This episode is brought to you by PLAY. It stands for Pet Lifestyle and You, and this is the final episode that they're going to be sponsoring in this initial series. And it's been a pleasure not only having them as a sponsor for our podcast, but getting to know about their products even more in depth than we ever imagined. We were big fans of their products beforehand, and now I can say that we are very big fans of their products and have grown to love so many things that they have to offer. Specifically, we want to talk about their Scout and About Outdoor collection. Now, all of their products are not only functional, but extremely durable. And in this collection that we're talking about specifically, they offer camping gear that's perfectly suited for humans and their dogs that love to adventure. They've got rope toys, training pouches, travel bowls, beds, tents, mats, you name it, it's in this collection and it's ready to rock on your next adventure. And whether you define an adventure as a short hike, maybe around your neighborhood or at lo- or a local park, or you consider it hiking somewhere in Colorado or the Grand Canyon or something of a larger scale, It doesn't matter because these products are made for you, and they have something for everybody that wants to enjoy adventure, regardless of how you define it. Specifically, I want to talk about their Chill Pad today. This is a product that we've been testing. Um, Our dogs have been using it, and it is remarkable. Uh, Not only do we love it, our dogs love it 10, 10 times more, and it folds up. It's easy to pack and everywhere we go, whether that's staying at a hotel for the night, sleeping in our car, sleeping in a tent, you name it, we unroll it. And this has become our dog's go-to spot. Um, And it's, it's really nice traveling with a bed for your dog because they know regardless of your environment changing each and every night as you travel or adventure... They know that they have a constant spot to go to. So kind of like you would have your sleeping bag if you were camping. This is their friendly area that they can relate to and then and recognize every time you stop to call it a night. And it's been a wonder for our dogs. They've really loved it as with all their products. Not only, like I said, does it look good, but it's it's held up to the test. No tears, no rips, no Anything going on with it? It looks almost brand new, with the exception of the the dirt on it that's piled up from our adventures. This is a excellent product, and one that I'll link in the description because Play has done a remarkable job with it, and I think that you and your dogs would love it too. Uh, one bonus thing that we're going to be doing with Play, thanks to their generosity, is we're going to be giving away. Uh, more toys and gift packs um, after this episode the way you can qualify for these giveaways are a few ways you can tag us on instagram and that's at hashtag trail talk podcast so we'll be monitoring that or you can leave a comment on our podcast page either on our main podcast page on the web or on our iTunes page leave a comment on any of the episodes and we've already sent several of these gift packs out and prize packs to some lucky winners across the country and you could be next with a simple comment so check play out definitely recommend checking out the chill pad and don't forget to leave a comment or tag us on Instagram to qualify for a giveaway yeah. And now, your host of the Trail Talk Podcast, Anthony Fanucci. Welcome to the podcast. You're, you know, one of our first five guests. Um, we're super excited to get rolling with this, and uh, I think it's going to be something that really blows up into something special for our listeners, especially, um, especially the ones that are new to the world of dog ownership or looking to make that step to adventuring and traveling with their dogs. Uh, you know, to start out, can you just maybe tell us a little bit about your background? You don't have to give a whole life story, but maybe you know where you're from, uh, where you live now, and uh, how you became a dog person, quote unquote, or when you got your first dog?
1: Yeah, well, th- hey, th- thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it's exciting to be on here and uh, excited to sort of spread the message about how great it is to live with active dogs and how how important and and you know wonderful they can they can make your life. Um, despite my uh, my very thick English accent, uh, I grew up on a farm in Southern England. Um, and we always just had dogs. Uh, my dad's a dog person. My mom was a dog person. We had dogs. Um, I've had several dogs since the day I was born until until now. Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to share my life right now with uh, two dogs, uh, Wiley, who is a five-year-old uh, rescue mutt that uh, friends gave me uh, back when I was very, very injured from a motorcycle crash, had no money, and couldn't walk. And they were like, hey, we got you a puppy. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but it's it's been the greatest thing ever. And uh, Bowie, our new puppy, who just turned eight months old this weekend, who is a uh, also a rescue, but is uh, we know what he is. He's a half German Shepherd and half Husky, so he's a little bastard.
0: <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like you have quite uh, quite a mix of the wild breeds. They're probably very fortunate to have someone that is an active owner because I could just picture their their ball of energy if they were sitting at home all day. Exactly.
1: Uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that I take them on several hikes every day and get them as much exercise as they need. But even with, with my life being in a, uh, an outdoors writer, you know, the, the actual reality of that is I spend a ton of time in front of the computer writing stuff. So, you know, right now, um, Wiley is at Pilates with my girlfriend, hmm. and um, Bowie, uh, the puppy, is sleeping on the couch next to me.
0: That's awesome. Super we'll, 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 cool. Yeah. We'll and, see you know, how long that lasts. That's uh, yeah. If he starts barking, don't worry. That's one of the cool things about this podcast. You know, like barking and all that kind of stuff are more than welcomed. Um, you know, that's a good good thing to jump into before we you know dive into the off leash topic. Is hmm. you know on Instagram, like I said, we see maybe just constant pictures of of hikes with a lot of our guests or you know big time adventures. Um, would you mind filling everyone in, kind of? What's your, what your day looks like, kind of uh, a Monday to Friday sort of deal?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I live here in Los Angeles, uh, in Hollywood. Uh, we're about a mile from a park called Runyon Canyon. And we're so fortunate to have it here because it's, it's basically a, you know, a couple big mountains sort of linked together by a city park, and there's a bunch of hiking trails. And most of it is off-leash. So you know, a normal day does involve me getting both my dogs on a nice, like, it's like a four-and-a-half-mile, 1,600-foot-of-elevation gain hike.
0: Awesome, and is that usually earlier in the day, later in the day are they home alone for a portion?
1: It's sort of wherever we can fit it in, uh both my girlfriend and I have irregular schedules. I have a ton of travel, mm-hmm. so you know frequently she's she finds herself at home taking care of both dogs. I'm in Cuba or you know South America or something um and then you know the day to day is just you know, unpredictable and chaotic. So it might be, you know, oh my God, we have 10 things today. Let's get up at six and take him hiking. Or it might be, you know, holy shit, uh, it's 3 p.m. The dogs haven't even been outside yet. Let's feed them and uh, go hit the park before the sun sets.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all about adapting from day to day and, you know, always having them as a priority, but knowing that exactly. day exactly. in, day out, it might look a little different, you know?
1: Yeah, and they've they been really good about adapting to that. They definitely get a little... uh you know, wild if they haven't, if if you give them like 48 hours without a good solid piece of exercise, they get pretty freaking crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's going on, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Oh man. Well, let's, uh, I know you mentioned, you know, that you have some surrounding areas that are off leash friendly, which is super cool. I know it's something that, uh, you know, coming from the East coast where we're based, it's, it's something that I would love to see come here in a stronger force. Yeah, um, it's definitely lacking. And it drives me crazy, because it's just, it's, uh, you know, kind of like you dive into a lot in your work, it's, it's so much a human and a people problem, and and not a dog problem. And, uh, you know, I say we would jump right into the off leash topic here. Um, you know, what's your general idea of, and this might be a shorter, long answer, but why why off leash is so important compared to you know hitting the trail on a six foot tether?
1: Yeah, I, I wrote an article last summer, I think it was called "Why Why Dogs Belong Off Leash Outdoors," and you sort of sort of tried to tackle both the reasoning behind it and some of the, sort of the scientific stuff. And it, the, really, the argument just comes down to happiness. You know, dogs dogs want to be dogs. They want to run around. They want to be you know masters of their own destiny for for a few minutes. Uh, They want to sniff stuff. They want to just do stuff at their own pace. And as anybody who's ever walked a dog knows, you know, humans and dogs don't sort of walk in the same way. You know, if I'm walking up the big hill over at Runyon, you know, I'm just sort of trudging along at a steady pace. And, you know, my dogs are chasing squirrels and birds and running around and peeing on things and sniffing stuff. And, you know, I might do four and a half miles and they probably do nine.
0: Yeah. They, they definitely beat to their own drum and would you agree that you know when they're on leash, it's just it just feels so so restricted?
1: It's it's very restrictive to have a dog on a leash. Um, you know, dogs need to run, and you know, e- even if you are a runner, it's just not the same if a dog's running along beside you and needs to just you know go off and do its own thing for a second. And it doesn't mean the dog's five miles from me; it means the dog's you know twenty yards from me. But he's just twenty yards from me, going in circles and sprinting and stopping and smelling things and just having a chance to be a
0: dog. Yeah, and they've, you know, it feels like, especially, you know, when you have them on the leash, that it just takes about five minutes to just lead to total frustration. And, yeah. you know, they're frustrated, you're frustrated. It just, it never really has a solid ending. Um, so I think a really important thing that a lot of our listeners will be wondering is okay, they'll be in a position, whether it's a puppy or a grown up dog or, you know, however old. They're probably thinking right now, okay, that's awesome. Your dog is off leash and, you know, they're really good off leash, but how Mm -hmm. do I get to that point? And, you know, I know it differs by where you're at in the country. You know, I know you wrote a little bit about how Boulder has a program to like tell you what to focus on and how to get certified. But, you know, I guess let's start with the puppy aspect. Uh, What do you think is important as far as getting a puppy to that point?
1: Puppies are easy. If, if, if you start with a puppy, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, to pick up all the pee and poop and not be able to get, you know, uh, all, all the, all the full night sleep in. But the actual training of a puppy is as easy as it can be because you're not counteracting any sort of previously learned behaviors. Um, with Bowie, for instance, you know, we brought him home at eight weeks old and he was hiking off leash, you know, the limited amount of exercise he could have as a puppy. Uh, he was hiking off leash from day, from day one and you know, you've got your floppy little eight week old puppy you know, that thing's not getting more than five feet from you. Yeah, they're um, very attached at you know, the beginning. They're very attached. They're very dependent. And also they're just, you know, it's a floppy little puppy. How fast can they go? <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, you, know, have, you know, so we really put a lot of time and effort into, into just, just practice. And, you know, working on recall, uh, working on what his expectations are. And we just, uh, over Thanksgiving, took him on his first, you know, really big backpacking trip. Uh, we did 30 miles.
0: Okay,
1: and um, you know he, you know he, he's now like I say, he just turned eight months old. Uh, He's half husky, half German shepherd. He is an athletic, fast, independent dog, and you know he runs around a lot. But because we've been off leash almost every day with him uh, on hikes and you know little camping trips and things, he really did very well. Uh, He he probably didn't go more than a hundred yards off trail. And, um, you know, he really ran into into no problems. Um, he came back when we called him, when we saw a rattlesnake, uh, he didn't bother other people. He didn't get lost. You know, he was right there with us the whole time.
0: Now, when you guys do, I know recall training came up a lot and that's probably such a pivotal point. Um, when you guys do quote unquote recall training, is it just Hands on you know especially with a puppy dog is off the leash, and you know what's your what's your command look like and you know does it is it over a period of several weeks several months what would you say
1: yeah but again start, starting with a puppy it's just it's just so easy you know you teach them their name and you teach them to come to you uh, and it's it's just praise it's just pra- you know command praise and reward um it's, it's just like just the basics of any dog training. It can be a lot harder with adult dogs. And, you know, especially once your puppy starts to mature and starts to get a little further from you and starts to get a little more independently minded, just staying on top of it. And, you know, continuing that reward is probably, probably the best bet as you go. Um, you know, sometimes my girlfriend and I kick ourselves for not remembering to bring chicken treats or something with us, uh, on our, our daily hike, just because it, you know it's so good just to have that little reinforcement every day just that once or twice or three times or whatever it is just have it a little bit of reinforcement with a treat or praise or whatever it is just to make sure that they're getting that um reinforcement that that is what you expect that they're supposed to come when they're called
0: absolutely so you would say similar probably similar strategy just adult might might take a little bit longer than a puppy you know who's so willing to adapt
1: yeah yeah you know adult dogs um you know, hopefully, you know, you have them, you know, trained in shape by the time they sort of get the ability to, you know, start determining their own situation. But, um, you know, with any dog, it's, it's the same training program ever. It's it's always just, uh, you know, just immediate reinforcement or immediate reward, and you know, it's the patience and consistency over time that is hard about dog training. The actual, you know, mechanisms of it are very straightforward.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of people expect that overnight success and it's just not how it works, you know. If maybe you'll get lucky, but if you want that long time, you know, reliability over their lifespan, it's uh, it's going to take a while for them to get established for sure. Um, totally,
1: and you know, a, a big part of the reliability factor is is again just time. Uh, Wiley is five years old and is an extremely reliable dog now, uh, but also one that I can trust to be okay in a lot of situations. You know, if if he's off out of sight on a backpacking trip in the middle of the wilderness. I don't have to worry about him coming back. I don't have to worry about him getting in trouble. He can take care of himself, and I trust him. Um, and he knows that I trust him. And it, you know, it's a two-way street because I trust him. He also is encouraged to act respons- responsibly. With Bowie, you know, the the younger dog, I try to keep a much closer eye on him because you know he's still figuring out what's right and what's wrong, and what what he can do and what he can't do. And so he could get in trouble. He could decide to you know play with a rattlesnake or you know jump off a cliff or do any of the silly things that puppies do and you just sort of have to keep a little closer eye on them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You learn, you know, your dog has such a personality just like any human. And over time you really grow to learn a lot about them. That's for sure.
1: Exactly. And, you, and getting there and getting to that point where you, where you can trust each other, you know, it does definitely involve some mistakes and definitely involves some rough and tumble. Um, you know, we're all talking about, you know, doing outdoor stuff with our dogs here. So all of us are going to be, you know, relatively fit and active and you know, I have two big, strong, fast, you know, big dogs, and I've definitely tackled both of them at full speed and you know <laughs> run <Yep>. through, <laughs> front and through, cut me to shreds. And um, you know, I had to uh, chase a mountain lion off a of Wiley when he was a puppy once, and you know, since then he's fought a bear and done all sorts <laughs> of crazy stuff. So you know, you know, it's 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 not. you know, there's not some command you can give a dog to be reasonable. You just sort of have to be there and be, you know, the responsible one in situations that can sometimes be a little hairy.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) It definitely gets you into some interesting situations, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, So two things that came up that, you know, I'd like to hit upon are one that you mentioned just briefly was, uh, you know, chicken treats or something good. And, you know, it reminded me of uh I, one day I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast and he received advice from someone that said, you know, Tim, you're you're basically tipping dollar bills in a bar where everyone else is tipping 20s. And, uh, you know, it's a drastic difference when you, you know, maybe have some kibble in your pocket that might work as a puppy compared mm-hmm. to later on, you know, having a, a good slice of chicken meat or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, you you would definitely want to have a high value treat uh, in situations where your dog could you know potentially be in danger or just with training that could potentially influence their safety in the future. Um, so we, we just we boil chicken breasts almost every night. We boil a couple of chicken breasts uh, both for treats and to sort of incentivize them with their kibble. Um, you know, just it's super easy. Just you know, grab a, a pack of organic chicken breasts at the uh, at the grocery store when you grab them for your own dinner. Uh, throw them in boiling water for ten minutes and then just stick them in a Ziploc or something uh, chop them up real small and you know, that'll, that'll keep any dog coming to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely likely to choose something that good over, you know, everything else in the woods. Uh, and easy enough to make, like you said, you know, make a bunch ahead of time, have them on you and you're, you're good to go. Sometimes I think, uh, I think our dogs eat better than us.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. My dog's definitely eat better than most humans. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just switched them to a new kibble, and I think I bought like 13 pounds yesterday. And it was like 75. It's like,
0: oh, <laughs> God, <laughs> would you uh, would you mind sharing what type of you know food you have them on currently? A lot of people um, like to ask that question.
1: I think it, we had them on Taste of the Wilds, but mm-hmm. I started seeing other owner reports that they weren't getting the same results that they used to get with it, and uh, I was starting noticing. You know, Wiley was starting to develop a couple skin problems. They weren't really enjoying eating it, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, just went to our local, um, uh, pet store here in LA, tail waggers and, um, asked them for the best food they had. And they gave me a Kana. Okay. Uh, I think it's the, uh, wild Atlantic fish recipe. It's basically just seven different types of fish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And definitely better than most our meals.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like, it's definitely human quality food. Yeah. And then you know, they, they, they definitely, you know, they get treats too, um, you hear a lot from, from vets and, and, and pet people, you know, warning, um, warning you not to feed your dogs human food. It's basically the same situation where, you know, most humans eat terrible, gross, disgusting food that's slowly killing them. And if you feed terrible, gross, disgusting food to a dog, it'll slowly kill them too. So, you know, as long as you're putting high quality food into you, um, you know, it's, it's safe to, to feed stuff like, you know, the T-bone out of a steak or, you know, the, the gristle from a steak or, you know, hamburger meats or chicken breast or, you know, things like that to your dog. And they, and they really enjoy that stuff.
0: Yeah. That's a super good point. You know, someone made a, a comment actually to, to me when I was with my dog the other day that basically exactly what you said, you know, shouldn't be given human food. And all I could think is, you know, that's because you're giving your dog french fries and I'm giving my dog chicken breasts. You know, there's a big difference there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a huge difference between a McDonald's hamburger, which, you know, <laughs> probably has no actual traceable meat in it, and, you know, in an organic free-range chicken breast, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people just think of it as a, a general comment. Um, so, you know, a lot of people or a lot of areas, you know, like you mentioned, your one article with Boulder and Rockville, Maryland, uh, are starting to realize the importance of this off-leash training and are actually, you know, putting a certification out there to basically say if a dog is ready or not. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, if you have any hands-on experience with these programs. So I was just wanted to see what your thoughts were about them. I,
1: I like the idea, and I think it's probably very useful for some dog owners. Um, you know, there's 90 million pet dogs in America. And not all of them are going to have owners that, you know, have, you know, grown up raising dogs. It can be a new thing for some people and, you know, the, the, the responsibility isn't necessarily instilled in everybody. So having a sort of a formalized program does help, you know, maintain expectations in a uniform way across a population. Um, and it also gives us the ability to go back to people who have issues or, or, or don't want things to happen, and say, "Hey, this is being written, this is being done responsibly. You know, this system is in place. It does this, this, and this." Um, so, in our ever more crowded human worlds, you know, things like these these dog training certifications, or like you know, American Kennel Club Good Citizen, or whatever it is, the you know Boulder Voice and Sight program, um, they do enable us to just get along better with with each other with our dogs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for it. I really like the, you know, like you said, just like a, a uniform certification that, you know, really it just kind of puts out some details or some, you know, minimum effective requirement that your dog has to meet. Because a lot of people, you know, yeah, we lo- we all love our dogs and we think absolutely my dog can, you know, kill this on the trail, off leash, no problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes it's nice to have that, that middle person saying, eh, not quite, you know
1: yeah it's nice to have just a little bit of uh objective perspective in there um which you know you want you want to be the best owner for your your dog possible, and you know somebody else helping you just remind you that you can always do a little better is it, never gonna hurt you
0: yeah absolutely couldn't agree more um, you know one of the things we talked about was especially like i said when i've I've gone from east Coast to west coast a couple times now and Every time I come back from places like uh, like California or, or Colorado, you know, I was in Denver not too long ago. When I come back and, you know, I just get so used to seeing, um, you know, dog bowls in these high-end, uh, you know, high-end boutique type stores and restaurants, uh, yeah. welcoming yeah. dogs. And and then you come back to the East Coast and, you know, and I'm, I'm not a fan of like beating up on any area totally, but we come back here and it's so restrictive, um, you know, it's
1: crowded, it's crowded over there, man. You know, it's, we we have a lot of open spaces in the West and we have a a culture of enjoying the outdoors. And I lived in New New York for six years before moving to Los Angeles. And, you know, it it is, it's just, it's a crowded place and it's difficult for people to get along even at the best of times before there's even dogs involved, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's it. It's just so many people in such a smaller area. And, uh, not mm-hmm. not quite as much freedom associated with it, but you know, every yeah. time we come back, we try and spread a little bit of that message. But it's tough, you know. We I think we would need to send everybody on the east coast to the west just to experience it. Uh, but, well, yeah, uh, everybody,
1: everybody definitely needs to come out here and see, you know, what what the lifestyle is like out here. It's just it's so easy to do such fun things. You know, we went on that backpacking trip over Thanksgiving with our dogs, and you know, we sat in the car for an hour and a half to get to the trailhead. That's it. Um, you know, it's probably 65 miles from my front door and we were in the middle of nowhere with, you know, I've never seen so much black bear sign as we did on that (laughs) that last backpacking trip.
0: That's yeah, it's, that's super cool. And not a long drive and such a, such an awesome experience. And you said the dogs both did well with it.
1: Both did super well. You know, we had a, basically had a mountain range to ourselves. We saw condors, we saw a bighorn sheep. Um saw you know lots of black bear prints and and scat, and uh, I know there's mountain lions out there because uh, i've seen them before and one the one chase Wiley that one time but um you know it's, it's really it's such a neat experience just you know our our, our the leashes came off at the at the car at the trailhead and they went back on you know four and a half days later thirty miles later um you know with the dogs having done you know a okay the the entire time and that's that's normal for us that's you know almost every camping trip we do the dogs just don't have problems.
0: So are you guys, um, and I know it might be a little bit different since you're, you know, especially, uh, you know, as your dogs are, since they were so different in age for a while there, you know, a puppy is obviously a bit different, but, um, what would you say your average mileage is in a day for people that are looking to hike with their dogs?
1: Our daily hike, like I said before, is four and a half miles long with 1600 feet of elevation. Okay. Um, on the trail, um, I've done with Wiley, uh, just Wiley and me by ourselves. have done thirty miles in a day, okay. uh, which is which is a big day for both of us. You know, we're both definitely worn out and sore at the end of that. Um, but you know, I'd say tw- twenty miles a day is is sort of our norm.
0: Okay, that's good to know. A lot of people like the number, and I you know I know it differs based on uh, terrain, obviously. But it like yeah. a lot of people like to get an idea of you know what they could uh you know dive into with their dogs and obviously everybody looking to hike with their dogs should take it slow you know start small um
1: start 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 with the, start with day hikes Just yeah. just take it easy get get an idea of what your dog is used to get, get an idea of how it responds to weather whether it's cold or hot or you know rainy or whatever it is uh figure out what your, your dog's needs are and what, what your relationship is you know is like with it on the trail and just sort of scale slowly. Um, you're not going to go out, having never taken a dog on a backpacking tra- trip before, never been on a back track- backpacking trip before, and do 30 miles. But it's very reasonable that, you know, you could go out and do five someplace incredible. Um, you know, that's still going to be a very rewarding, very special experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like their face when you first start hitting the trail with them. It's like, they don't. I don't know, it's just this immediate connection. You know, they they, they really do light up.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, because Wiley is, is been on a ton of trips with me. Um, you know, he knows what's going on. He knows what, it, what it means when a backpack comes out of the attic and starts getting filled up with the camping gear. Uh, and he gets super excited and you, I do have to leave him behind sometimes on trips that I fly to and stuff. So he sort of, is nervous of whether or not to be one of those when he gets to come <laughs> and, you know, the, the second you put him in a car, he's just so stoked. And then, you know, you get to the trailhead, you unclip it, you unclip his leash and he's just all smiles for the, you know, until, until you get home, basically. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's such a cool feeling. It passes right through them to us, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's hard to beat that for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, on the trail, is there anything consistent that you guys are, are carrying with you, uh, gear or maybe, you know, some sort of first aid that you like to have for your dogs, any sort of special equipment or product that you like to carry for them?
1: Yeah. You know, you, you need, you need so little with a dog. Um, backpacks don't work for our dogs because they're so active and they, they like to run and chase things and run through the brush. Uh, you know, we have a very dense chaparral everywhere here in Southern California. Okay. So, you know, the second a dog runs through that, you know, even like, you know, a rough wear pack is going to come off them, uh, or get out of adjustment and, 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 you know, potentially injure them. So I keep, I keep backpacks off the dogs. Um, I always carry my leash with me just in case, you know, people are scared of them or if we come across some wild animals or things like that. But, you know, usually they're they're pretty solid under my voice commands. Uh, The one thing the one thing that I do like to carry is I make sure I have adequate water for them. Uh, You know, we live here in the desert and it's very important to keep your dog hydrated. And the one unique, you know, human first aid works on dogs, uh, clear the airway, stop bleeding, you know, same same priorities Um, functionally, mechanically, they're just like humans. Uh, but the one thing that I do like to carry is, uh, some Benadryl pills mm-hmm. and, um, if they get bit by a rattlesnake or if they have a bad reaction to something they shouldn't have eaten or, uh, get stung by a bee and have a bad reaction to that, you know, dogs can be pretty allergic to stuff and Benadryl is pretty safe to give dogs, uh, one milligram per pound of body weight, uh, and if they can't take it or are not willing to take it. You can crush it up, put it in a water bottle and squeeze it down their throat. Um, and so I just carry that as a, as a precaution. Um, on the, that, that Thanksgiving backpacking trip, uh, Bowie ate a toad and, um, probably shouldn't have and started frothing at the mouth and got really lethargic and his, uh, his heart rate was super high. Um, so, uh, I induced vomiting and, uh, he, uh, he felt better after that. So I didn't have to give him the Benadryl, but that would have been my next step.
0: Right. No, that's, that's really helpful stuff that, you know, not a lot of people, it just gets overlooked pretty frequently. And, um, you know, it seems like you're you're pretty experienced with it, at least knowledgeable about it. And uh, mm-hmm. do you, is it just from over the years information you've picked up or do you have a, a specific resource that you like to go to for this stuff?
1: Uh, for, me, for me, it's stuff that I just sort of picked up. Um, my dad uh, grew up in North Carolina, uh, pretty poor. And so he had to take care of all of his animals himself without having access to a vet. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I grew up in a situation with a dad who would like, you know, I'd be like six years old. He had me like pin a dog to the ground while he like stitched up a fishing line or something.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yep. So I always just sort of got used to it. Um, in terms of web resources, uh, you know, Google's your friend over, you know, whether your dog can eat something or not eat something or, you know, what medicine is safe to give to a human medicine. Um, you know, with the disclaimer, obviously talk to your vet. Every dog is unique and, you know, you want to be careful about these things. Yes. Uh, yep. Benadryl is just a great universal sort of dog medicine um, that can also be given to them if they're you know really worried about something uh, like car travel. I wouldn't give it to them regularly, but in you know sort of an exceptional circumstance where they just need to be calm, it can help with that. And then it's sort of a lifesaver if they have an allergic reaction to something. With dogs, can be bizarrely allergic to a number of things.
0: Yeah, and you know with something more severe, like you said, uh, I've. I've heard a lot of different, um, I guess you could say viewpoints or training points in regards to potentially more severe things like, like a rattlesnake bite, which, you know, I know you guys deal with and we deal with, um, you know, East coast Pennsylvania here, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, hopefully no, none of our listeners, anyone really has to deal with that situation, but you know, what's what's your mindset as far as like if that happens, uh, especially when you're you pretty distance from a vehicle, what your game plan is going to look like?
1: Yeah, I'm going to ditch all my camping gear, uh, grab water and a couple of cliff bars and uh, get my dog back to the car and to the vet as soon as possible. Uh, yeah. um, and obviously that looks different if, you know, you're 30 miles from your car, if you're 50 miles from your car than it does if, you know, you're 10 minutes from home. Um, and it's just that's part of the burden of going out into the wild and doing exciting things is that, you know, things can be dangerous and being a long ways from help really exacerbates any danger. Um, I've never, I, well, I had a, I had a dog that I thought I was going to have to carry back to the car once, uh, about twenty-five miles, did it? Made it on its own four legs. With wasn't, wasn't happy about it, but I was I was, was gonna you know, all my brand new, you know, fancy, expensive ultralight backpacking gear, you know, basically on the side of a mountain, and just ditch everything and put the sixty-pound dog in my pack.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's amazing She's, what we'll do for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, that's what you have to do sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's it, dog dogs are made to do stuff, and most of the time they they they're gonna be okay. Um, you know, like, like you said, rattlesnakes are an omnipresent thing here in the Southwest and even in the Northeast where you guys are. Um, rattlesnake training is available. Um, it's done with electroshock collars, which it was felt some people were sort of scared of. But, you know, a uh, couple hours of, you know, getting the shit shocked out of you to, um, you know, not pick up a rattlesnake for the rest of your life, I think is, is, is time well spent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, our dog hasn't been through it, but, um, you know, we spoke to a gentleman the other day who I think he was also California based, but uh, you know, they basically put the dog in with a rattlesnake that is, you know, has no venom and uh, you know, let the dog experience that. And a lot of people, you know, tend to take a step back and gasp at that. And it's like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, no, my puppy. And, but you have to realize if you're saving your dog's life, sometimes, you know, it's, it's not a bad trade off. So it's
1: like, it's not gonna be pretty. You, you have to remember that do- dogs are not human babies. Uh, don't anthropomorphize them. Um, you know, and sometimes the, uh, the effects of something are, are worth, uh, a little, you know, um, unhappiness or discomfort on your, underdog's dog's part. Um, with, with, think training, what, what, in my experience, what they do is they have rattlesnakes in cages. Uh, they set up a little course and the handler and trainer will walk around the course with your dog, just like a normal walk. And if it, anytime it shows interest in one of the rattlesnakes, uh, they just shock the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, freaking and out. yeah, just, it just freaks it out. If you, you, you can put on a shot collar sometime, I wouldn't use one for normal training. I've never done that, but you know, for something special like that, that potentially save the dog's life. Um, it, it does, it doesn't, it's not super painful. It's really just like sort of a weird feeling. And, um, you know, walk around the course and they get shocked when they see a rattlesnake. And, you know, after a, a few tries, they start of that rattlesnakes aren't things they should pay attention to. Uh, and it works. Uh, we were on a trip, uh, this summer and I just about stepped on one of the biggest rattlesnakes I've ever seen. But while he was right beside me and he saw the rattlesnake first, uh, jumped in front of me and wouldn't let me pass him, like physically blocked me from getting close to the snake. So that's yeah, I mean, awesome. that's, that's the, that's the kind of behavior you want from your dog. And, you know, you get there through training and through experience in the outdoors. Uh, you don't get there through protecting your dog from every danger it ever faces.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that, not definitely not diving into this topic, but you know, a lot of it's similar with how, how kids are raised now, just same way we treat dogs, you know, you gotta, gotta let them live too, you know? So.
1: Exa- exactly. There's a, um, Oh, there's a guy in Australia called Chopper. Uh, are you familiar with him? I'm not. No. He's an ex-con. Uh, he's sort of a you know B-list celebrity now. He's a big handlebar mustache, and his shtick is that he he walks around. He's a big muscle guy with tattoos. He's killed a bunch of people. And he just tells people to harden the fuck up. Sorry to swear on your podcast.
0: That's okay. But he
1: just you know, he just walks around and you know, somebody you know, can't change their tire on the car and he walks up and you know picks it up off the ground and sticks the new tire on with the other hand and goes, you know, harden the fuck up, Anthony.
0: <laughs> sometimes that's all you need in life, you know. And yeah. Stop trying to sit down and solve solutions, you know, softly and just you know, just need a kick in the ass sometimes. That's all it comes down to.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, if if you're on the fence about whether or not your dog's gonna do okay in the outdoors, just go out and go out and try. Um, you know, scale slowly, but, you know, don't, don't just avoid it. Go out, go out and, and find, find some, some risky stuff and, and tackle it. And you'll, you'll, you'll feel like a lot tougher a lot uh, more confident person and your dog will be tougher and more confident too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know, you know, talked about those, you know, you mentioned in a lot of your articles and you know, today we've talked about it. Those those first couple months, maybe like weeks, you know, 10 to 20 or something in that range, how, how crucial they really are for a young dog. And, uh, you know, I know even with our dog, besides all the outdoor stuff, just even, even basic stuff, like we want it to be able to, you know, eat outside at a lot of restaurants around us and while we travel. Mm -hmm. And, Oh man, a lot of people now that see her, you know, at a table outside of, just are like, wow, your dog is incredible. And I'm like, yeah, you should have sat at the first 10 meals, you know, (laughs) because she would clear the restaurant out. Like, you know, even though it was outdoors, like nobody wanted to be there just from the barking and the excitement. But, you know, what are your thoughts on those first, you know, 10 to 20 weeks or first couple months and the importance behind them?
1: Yes, socialization is real. And you basically have until a dog is uh, 16 to 20 weeks old to, you know, give it the full breadth of experiences that it's going to encounter for the rest of its life. And anything it encounters during that period successfully, it's going to continue to be comfortable with the rest of its life. So with both of our dogs, uh, when they were 11 weeks old, they got their first camping trip. So we did that with Bowie uh, over the summer. It was probably July or something. And, uh, you know, we, we threw backpacks on and left the car behind, but you know, we went two miles or something, you know, down the trail because that's all he could sort of handle. Uh, and we had a nice little camping trip, and he got used to being around a fire, and he got used to being off leash in a wild place, and saw his first rattlesnake. Um, you know, he got to see a a big black bear came through camp in the middle of the night, and I went and shot my gun over its head to scare it off. So he got to, you know, <laughs> he got to be around all, all that kind of stuff, and you know, now he gets out there and it's just you know it's second nature to him.
0: Yeah. Yep. They get. They definitely adapt. Get used to it. Everything. You know, from from the extremes of like so some of the things you mentioned. You know, bear encounters all the way down to just riding in the car. You know.
1: Yeah, just riding in the car on a twisty country road. You know, a lot of a lot of dogs don't do so well with that. Um, you know, sleeping in the tent is something that you know you sort need to get your dog used to. Uh, it can be hard to sort of for them to feel comfortable. I took a uh, my friend's Weimaraner on a backpacking trip one time, and he had never slept in a tent before. And for the first two nights of the trip, he didn't uh, didn't sleep at all. He just sat there and, like, stared at me and panted. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> and then the the last night was warmer. and So I took my clothes off and threw them in a corner of the tent. And he immediately went over them and, and curled up and laid down. And all he was waiting for was basically permission to go lay down on something he recognized as a bed. That's how he'd been training was, you know, to go lay down on beds. Awesome. Uh, and he didn't know he could sleep in the tent until he had like a designated place to sleep on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like what is this place? <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to sleep here? I don't know. I'm a and I'm a spaz. <laughs> I, uh, I think the, you know, adaptability of dogs is there's so many cool features about them obviously, but I think the adaptability is just, it's mind blowing. I, I love it. You know, I think it's the coolest, the coolest reason to have a dog. Um, it's just, I don't know like I lived out of a 20 foot camper um, you know, luxury more luxurious than a tent but you know, a uh-huh. little less luxurious than a tiny house or something larger and we yeah. we lived out of it for 2 months this summer and awesome. pe- people were blown away to see a you know, a full-size dog doing that but they just they adapt and they love it, you know.
1: They totally do and you 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 create your own unique personality in your dog through the experiences that you give it. So, you know, if you want to have uh, a confident, you know, awesome, kick-ass dog like Wiley or Bowie, you just need to go out and do, and do the stuff. You just need to take them camping. You need to let them have some freedom to roam. You need to let them fight the occasional bear. And, you know, they're going to turn into, you know, one of these awesome dogs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think people get really wrapped up on, uh, you know, and we'll talk about it a lot over, uh, you know, many of these episodes because it is, you know, important to a certain degree. But... I think a lot of people like to hear the the how, and they want a stepwise process, and Mm. that's fine. You know, it could get the ball rolling, but I think it just comes down to doing it, you know, hitting the trail.
1: Exactly. People overthink stuff a lot of the time. Even if you don't know how to do something, when you start, you know, you'll know by the time you finish. Um, And you you can overanalyze everything and, you know, read every camping how-to and every gear how-to and buy all the fancy stuff and blah, 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 blah. But you're never going to learn as much from just going out there and doing stuff. And that's, that's just the best way to spend your time and your money. It's just just go get experiences. You'll be much stronger for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing compares. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a few more minutes left here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I know it's been a pretty crazy day on your front. But, um, you know, something that we really want to touch upon here is... You know, besides just talking about the the marvels of dogs and you know what we could do with them and how happy they make us, obviously it's a big portion of it. But we also want to you know touch upon what people are missing, and you know maybe you know I'll ask it to you. You know what it is? What's the big thing that we're overlooking? And you know maybe your answer goes back to the off leash, uh, you know importance of off leash adventuring and and living with a dog. But you know is there anything that you know, really strikes a chord with you that, you know, you see dog owners day in, day out. And then maybe it's just something that we're, we're overshadowing a little bit.
1: Yeah. They just don't, you know, they don't sort of let their dogs be dogs. Um, you know, you need to get your dog exercise is part of being a dog, you know, being able to go and run and explore is, is, is part of being a dog. Letting your dog take, take some risks is part of being a dog. Um, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, you, you can't treat them like human children. um, Wiley, our older dog, you know, he's, he's a tough guy and he's to go out and do tough guy things. Um, and you know, if I, if I had babied him and if I had protected him from every risk, if I had never let him get any injuries, if I had never let him do anything hard or, you know, go out when it was cold or hot or things like that, you know, he just, he wouldn't be the dog he is today. And I think that's, that's really what more people need to do is just, you know, go do awesome shit with your dog and you will have an awesome dog.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's an awesome, awesome point, and uh, you know, a a good final impact to to conclude with. You know, one of the things I've valued, you know, I know this the podcast is brand new, but you know, I've been following your stuff for quite some time, and I've always appreciated just the the rawness or the authenticity behind it. You know, in a world that. We just cover up so much and we pretend everything is, you know, you know, perfect and just nice stars everywhere. And I've always appreciated the, the authenticity, you know, behind your writing and everything. So, uh, well, you know, from me and probably all the listeners as well, we want to definitely thank you for that.
1: Well, that's, that's, that's very flattering. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, this was, uh, hopefully a conversation that just, you know, just encourages people to, to just be more confident about doing things. None, none, none of us get this right all the time. Um, I screw up a lot of time, and I get hurt, and sometimes that happens to my dogs too. And everybody ends up okay. Um, it's, it's, it's worth taking some risks in your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, one thing before we close, um, any. Any suggestions as to where, you know, you want to direct people to either view your work or view your profiles, um, you know, whether it's Instagram or a website, uh, where could people find you after, after we conclude? Just check out, just check out, uh, outsideonline.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. A magazine that we are, uh, all very familiar with. That's for sure. It's done a lot for all of us, but, um, you know, I will get to chat a little bit more after the podcast, but. Uh, you know, like I said, from myself and from all the listeners. Thanks for you know coming on, especially since it's such a new podcast, and you know caring so much about your dogs and caring enough to uh, pass some some of your knowledge on to the listeners.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and uh, thanks for reading. I really appreciate it.
0: And that concludes Episode 5 of the Trail Talk Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had the pleasure of having with Wes. Uh, As always, uh, if you have any questions, you can email me at anthony at traildogsusa.com. Whether you have comments about the podcast or just general things you want to pass along, feel free to shoot me an email. And don't forget about our giveaway from Play. Once again, you can tag us on Instagram at hashtag trailtalkpodcast. Or you can leave a comment on iTunes or on our podcast page. And we'll be giving away some more prizes to winners over the next week or two. And last but not least, I'm going to ask that you please, 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 Give us a thumbs up, like the podcast, share the podcast, and rate it on iTunes. Every time we get five stars, we smile wide and appreciate your generosity, guys. But thank you so much for the support that you've given us. Once again, this ends episode five, and we're looking forward to the next one.